welcome to the canteen. Find us on social media at Dash with Flash and at your podcast catcher of choice with your host, Bill Masons and Scott Fiedler. Welcome to the canteen. Hey, Feeds, let's head on over to the canteen. What do you think? Let's do it, Phil. Let's do it. Welcome to the canteen. My name is Phil Nasons. He's Scott Fiedler, and we're broadcasting from the canteen at Brooklyn Camps, the sports academy at Brooklyn Camps, where you send us your most precious gift, and we return them better humans. Feeds, I got it right today. I was going to say, it's a much better intro today than last week. No fumbling, stumbling, bumbling today. And uh, let me tell you, we do have some spots available at camp. Uh, I think it's the perfect time. We offer what you're looking for now, not just the sports stuff, but kids being outside again. No more virtual, no online stuff. None of the things that they're suffering through. It's let them be kids. Let them get outside. We've always been a, a 90, probably 95% outdoor camp before COVID. And it's going to continue that way in a sports environment. So if you're looking to send your most precious possession away, trust me, we'll send them back better human beings. There you go. And that's a great thing. Now, um, I heard that some guidelines have been talked about where they want kids to wear masks outside while they're competing in sports and wow you never Uh, know with these people from one day to the next yeah it depends on what state you're in and what you're looking at um they also just mandated that you don't have to wear masks outside so um a lot of different um conflicting reports so to speak i mean i know from the people i've spoke to from day one uh, one of my doctors who was at East Elmhurst, which was ground zero in the United States for COVID, has always said to me, as long as you're outside, you're pretty safe. So I've been sticking by that method since we did some day clinics and the clinics we've done throughout the winter with our primetime football academies. And that's a good thing. That's yeah. a very good thing. Yeah. And, and indoors, we've got, you know, we have worn masks indoors. There's no question. Right. I'm not a big fan of coaching with a mask, though. I got to be honest. Bill, I'm not a big fan of a mask, period. But, you know, it is what it is. The safety of uh, our children and our staff is probably the most important thing. So uh, I guess I'll suck it up and do whatever I'm going to have to do. To be honest, I think by the time we're there with the vaccines and everything, I don't think there's going to have to be much mask wearing outside at all. Um, and especially within the small groups, the cabins and those things, they will not have to be, but we'll see as things evolve and continue to evolve. You know, we will, we'll see that. Yeah. Speaking of evolving, we're going to do my show Friday and we're going to preview the Kentucky Derby. Now we're talking and the Oaks. You did tell me you wanted to, uh, um, preview the Oaks too, which is Friday and then the Derby Saturday. Right. Um, for those of you who have been following the show uh, last week, I, I know I had a couple of horses washed off the, and scratched out of the races, but the one that was in did win. It was a short price. However, if you ask the great Phil Nasons, who was 10 and 4 in the NBA uh, the other night, um, what I gave him the other day, uh, he'll be very happy, I think. To t- to yeah, tell you. sure. Two winners. 
Two, two winners. winners. One, one outright winner and one that should have won. That was pretty good. You end up winning that contest, by the way. Another I, I handicapping did. contest for the great Scott Fiedler. <laughs> you can't steal my line, great, the great one. Come on. Man. Oh, right. But, and I was 10-4 and four for the week in a handicapping contest, which is hard because, first of all, the NBA is a trick and a half impossible to. impossible right now. Impossible. It is. Right. But this was a week in advance. I, those are contests that I've been entering to test that because I have some things I want to do on my site in September. And, yeah, I was pretty lucky. Uh, yeah. S same here. I won the handicapping tournament on Friday. Actually was live to win a few on Sunday. And uh, second to last race got beat by a, um, a big long shot that propelled a couple people ahead of me. So, uh, you know, that's uh, par, par for the course, uh, especially when you're playing what they call pick-and-pray tournaments, which you have to put your picks in before races start, uh, as opposed to live tournaments when you can put it in as the race goes. Uh, Pick-and-pray right. means you have to put them in all at the beginning of the first race, right. where live tournaments, you could put them in as the races go on. Um, live tournaments are much better, right? Uh, it depends. You know, uh, you you. There's a lot more to think about as you put in on the live tournament, you know, but you do have the benefit of uh, sort of getting a better feel for what the odds are going to be on your horses. His price is always an important factor in these tournaments. I mean, to be honest, on Sunday, I was leading a, a derby, a live money tournament on derby day. I was a qualifier for it and uh, uh, was very excited with two races left. I thought I was in good shape. And of course, like I said, one horse beat you and then uh i went from in the in the running to qualify to third place and the top two wound up qualifying so it's just you know there's some up and downs in it as as every other uh handicapping you know area but um i think for the people right now and hopefully uh for your show on friday uh i i've gotten hot again you know and uh you know, Phil, one of the horses I gave you that day was 35 to 1, the one that won. So, uh, you know, that you, you hit one of those, uh, the whole day is basically uh, paid for, as they say. You could, you, oh, could, yeah. you could lose the rest of the day and still win money. So, pretty much, yeah. You can't do that in, in basketball or like tennis. No. Like tennis, we went 10 and 4 on our, or 11 and 4 on our This Week in Tennis pod. And then. But one of those was like a plus 258 favorite or underdog. It was crazy. But, yeah, mm -hmm. horse racing, though, is, is much easier. Right. Because, like you said, you hit one big one and game on, but you still got to know what to do, and that's why I think well, that, yeah, that, I, I, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't say it's much easier. I think you got to know what to do. You got to figure out, you know, obviously the rest of the public doesn't think the 35 to one horse could win. So, right. You know, there's, there's a, and, and I'll, I'll go over a lot of that on Friday. I'll, I'll show some people how to, you know, um, sort of maneuver through some of the, the odds boards and not necessarily throw out a 35 to one shot because of its morning odds. I mean, the one that I gave you at Pimlico literally ran a, a length and a half behind the even money favorite the previous race and like i told you i was in shock that i was getting 35 to 1 i thought he was going to go down to 10 to 1 or even lower so right. uh you know sometimes things work out as well and uh you know listen i'm excited to uh, be joining you as always hopefully i can give some people 
uh, some winners. I've done very well in the Derby throughout the years. And uh, I- I'm also looking forward to, uh, you know, after the camp season, getting together with you for Picks and Ponies. I think, That's uh, right. picks I and think ponies. we're going to we're going to have a hell of a podcast there. Uh, I think you, if, if you're a person that does enjoy a little risk, uh, that <laughs> that show will um, that show will be a classic for you. Because, it will help uh, mitigate the risk. Exactly. I mean, listen, I, I joke with Phil about being the great one, but let me tell you, to go 10 and 4 in basketball, especially this season where there's just seem to be injuries every day and different guys are out and, and you can't predict anything. It's truly amazing what Phil wow. has done. No, it, it really is. I mean, I, I'm I'm trying to mitigate for my kids just their fantasy thing. It's playoff time and, uh, you know. Oh. Uh, Tyler, Tyler's got a good shot to win the whole league, but uh, of course he's got players out. I mean, he's got Sabonis, you know, from um, Indiana, who has killed him the, the last two weeks, being out for the last right. two weeks. Uh, you know, he's had uh, he had a drop. Uh, James Wiseman, uh, Will Barton got hurt, you know, and is out. So just mitigating a, a fantasy team is. Is tough. I can't imagine, you know, having to now do it with handicapping. But, uh, you know, I know I know you were the show today. We were looking at, you know, we've been promoting our other stuff. But I know the show today, we were looking at some of the stuff um, for kids that are looking at colleges and different club teams and things like that. So, right. Yeah, um, I think we should start. Let, let's, I, let's I read a couple on, good Let's articles. get back on track. Let's get back on track, my friend. Gotcha. You know, I I saw a couple good articles this week. Um, Mm -hmm. One of them, and we've talked about this on this show. I know I've talked about it on my show. And it's finding the right AAU team for your child, for your basketball child, basketball playing child. And or any or or, or any club sport now, you know, they're they're all over the place. Travel baseball. uh, Yes. A uh, lot of that. Travel lacrosse. You know, um, soccer, I guess, is they have travel teams. So, you know, there's a ton of different sports now that it's not just AAU basketball anymore. It's, uh, you know, soccer or or baseball or or lacrosse. Um, Don't believe football to a smaller degree. I think it's a sport that people get, you know, you you can't play multiple seasons. Right. So thank God. You know, that's a good I'm glad it hasn't gotten there because, you know, I told you my feeling last week that adults are really killing these kids by trying to stuff eight months of sports into three because they missed a bunch with the pandemic. And, you know, it's like the old thing with sleep. You know, if you miss sleep one night, you're not getting it back. You're not making it up the next night. So I think adults got to figure got to figure it out with the sports. And, you know, again, unfortunately, uh, youth sports is a big money maker for people, and uh, you know some people don't have the best interest of the kids in mind when they, uh, you know, do these things. No, they sure don't. And um, this is from ProSkillsBasketball.com. I haven't read much of the site, but I like this checklist. Like for example, these are questions that you should be asking the AAU basketball organization, and hope that they follow. Perhaps we'll talk about them though. Does the AAU team or organization actually have a mission statement or intended goals? And do they seem to live up to that? 
Now, we've seen a lot of negative, but I'm sure there's a lot of positive. But is that an important thing to know is what is their mission statement? What do they plan on doing? You know, the bad guys aren't going to get out and say, you know what, uh, I'm really just interested in the $10,000 you pay me for your kid to be on the team. I mean, I think out of those things, I mean, listen, they're all going to have real good mission statements. I think the question that has to be asked is, do they live up to those things? Um, I mean, I, I have a buddy, a guy by the name of Mark Kaufman, who I, I know you, I'm pretty sure you know Phil as well. Yes. He's coached out at Weber State and uh, mm -hmm. New Mexico State and a bunch of places uh, for about 25-year career of uh, in college coaching. And now he runs a, an AAU program out in uh, California. Called, I believe it's called the Ballers. Uh, something like that. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Mark's in it for the right reasons. You know, he's in it for player development. Now, obviously they play tournaments and they do things cause you have to, but, um, you know, a lot of his thing is, you know, he has younger teams that don't play games that it's all skill development stuff. And, uh, you know, obviously listen, obviously anyone that's doing any of this stuff, it is a business as well, you know, but I think you could, just in talking to people, you can get an idea of their passion for kids and what they really love to do and, and things like that. I mean, listen, uh, you know, camp is a business as well. Um, right. You know, however, however, you know, I, you know, Jay and I feel we're pretty passionate about, you know, teaching kids sports and teaching kids lessons for life. And, uh, you know, I, I think I get more enjoyment out of the kid that came back and said, wow, you know, Coach or Scotty, thanks for, uh, you know, being tough on me or yelling at me. You really straightened me out. I was going down the wrong path. And, uh, wow, look at me now. You know, I got, I'm got i a vice president at Merrill Lynch on Wall Street or something like that. And, you know, to me, those are the better things than the, the money. Unfortunately, you know, again, the necessary evils, you have to make a living. Right. Um, so, you know, there are. You know, there is a business aspect to all of these things. I mean, we're, you know, in essence, in the youth business as well. Um, you know, as you know, Phil, you know, I, I don't stuff people in. It's not something that we're doing. We want to teach kids. Um, you know, sometimes it is bad business. You know, uh, we, we definitely could make more money. But uh, I believe in you have to look in the mirror every day and, you know, show people that you're doing the right thing by them and, you know, not, not faking it. You know, I've seen plenty of places that fake it, that lie to these people that tell them about their instructors, that how, you know, how wonderful a 19 year old instructor is who they've never even uh, seen teach a class. Right. So, you know, there, there's just a different level as you know, and listen, we could easily have done it at the 19 year old and uh, saved a ton of money, but, you're not getting the same as, as a Chris Cummings or a Phil Nason's or, uh, you know, those type of guys at, at a camp. So, um, you know, there is an aspect to, 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 to it of business and, but it is as a parent, you're more interested in, do they care about your kid, you know, and, right. and are they teaching the right things? Are they, um, you know, uh, and you know, your kid too. I mean, how competitive is your kid? Right. You know, there are some kids that, yeah, they want to play a ridiculous amount and want to be competitive. And, you know, I, I think the AAU and the club stuff. And listen, I, I'm 
I'm guilty of it in a way with my son, but he just likes doing it. So he, you know, he's played club lacrosse for a, a couple of years now. He's only 10. Um, and it was, you know, it was his decision. So I went along with it and he's been fine. I mean, if it was up to me, I probably wouldn't have put him in a club team till he's 12, you know, and, uh, I think people miss the boat. They think, you know, oh, my God, he's, he's going to fall behind because he hasn't played. Now, that's nonsense. You know, an athlete's an athlete. And, uh, you know, I think you need to look at what you get out of the, uh, the program. I mean, the thing I, I like with my son is, uh, you know, he's got terrific coaches. The kids on the team are good kids. There's good parents around it. Uh, the club overall, I'm not thrilled with some of the things the administration does. I think a lot of things they do is money grabbing and, and whatnot. And, you know, but I think there's going to be good and bad with all of it. And, and to be honest, the positives probably outweigh the negatives and that he has a couple of really good coaches that have taught him very well. Um, you know, he's got a bunch of buddies on the team that, uh, you know, a bunch of really good kids that he's become friendly with that, you know, have from different towns, you know, you're playing against a little bit better competition. Um, you know, the thing I worry about, and I've kept them out of some practices here and there, is overuse because you're just playing too many things at the same time. Um, but I think a lot, you know, like I said to my wife, I said, listen, changing his club team, I don't know if that makes a difference because I think all these lacrosse teams are looking to make money, and, and, and a lot of it is a money grab situation and you know we're in a good situation with the coaching staff so why upset the apple card that way and i think a lot of parents look to jump ship when it's not perfect you know correct me if i'm wrong i think it's the same in tennis bill you know uh it's not a perfect situation that the, the parent is looking to jump somewhere else well never is but uh they're the boss at the end of the day you know tennis right, is but like is it, uniquely right different. but is there Right, but is there ever a perfect situation in any of these things? I mean, even no, there that, never is, never is. You know, but the the thing that I care about the most, though, with with mm -hmm. juniors, and this is tennis, and and this is part of the list, and you've already brought it up, is how much does this AAU team or coach care about player development, or are they more interested in playing a ton of games? I would think that developing players would be first and foremost if I were sending my kid to an AAU team or any junior thing for that matter. What about that? Until, until you're 15, 16, 17, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, no, still want to yeah. you, you, you still want to develop, you still want to do, but uh, I think your focus becomes different if you're playing that. So, you know, let's say at 9, 10, 11, 12, as a parent, your focus should be skill development and your kid getting better. Um, and not being overused and not getting injured because they played too much and things like that. Now, when you turn 15, 16, 17, and now you're in high school and you've sort of developed, of course, you still want to develop even more and fine-tune your game. But now the AAU becomes more of a showcase for college coaches and recruitment. So And the G League now. Well, right, all of it. You know, there's a different aspect. I mean, listen, there's, uh, you know, there's only so many special outliers, so to speak, centers that the G 
to be looking at. You know, however, college, there's all different levels. You know, you have the division ones, twos, and threes. You know, so, uh, um, you know, like I said, sometimes, you know, you use sports to get into not necessarily a scholarship or whatnot. It's a borderline student that, uh, I mean, I'll give you the perfect example is me. I was a borderline to get into Washington University. And because of basketball, I was able to, uh, you know, get into the school. And uh, right. because I worked hard at it, I was successful there, you know. So, uh, and again, I wound up choosing that. I, tur I turned down a bunch of scholarships because I thought the school was, uh, you know, more important. I, I did love the program. I loved the coach. You know, there was an aspect of track. Travel, you know, in it. There's a new league. Uh, in the future, you know, when you go on to college, how many, you know, how many on to the pros? You know, it's it's a it's a small number. And listen, it does happen. And you could you should dream about doing that. You should be a goal of yours to do that. But uh, as they always say, you better have a fallback plan. Right. You, know? you should always have the a fallback plan, plan. Better be your college education. Well, getting them there is the most important thing, I would think. And uh. These AAU teams do give you a showcase. Um, it depends on what you're looking at, too, right? If you're looking for your son to just or daughter to play sports and just enjoy their summers with a team, there are teams for that. But also, there are AAU teams that are strictly built to win, and that can be dicey. So you should probably ask the coach, "What is your again back to the philosophy? What is your philosophy? Are you here?" Are you, is my son going to learn how to play better? Is he going to have fun? Or is he going to sit on the bench and watch your top six recruits play all the time? Right. I mean, you, you know, I think just talking to the coach in general is a key. You know, like I said, I think parents get fooled by a lot of things that they're worried that they're going to, if they're not playing, they're behind the eight ball. They're not going to be as good as the other kid, you know, they, they, that's what they sell these uh, parents, you know, a lot of guys that are not on the up and up, so to speak, you know, uh, they, they'll sell them all the, all the things that, uh, you know, Oh, well, your kid's going to get behind if he doesn't play, your kid's going to do this if he doesn't play, you know, like I said to someone at one point, I said, listen, take, and now again, there's different teams too. You know, some of these teams are sponsored by, uh, you know, AAU basketball, Nike, Under Armour, those type of things. And there isn't, you know, some kids pay, some kids don't pay. Um, you know, that should be a consideration. Uh, you know, I had mentioned to, you know, one of the guys with this club lacrosse again, going back to that, I said, listen, uh, for the scholarships you get in lacrosse, <laughs> you know, take the money that you spent on the club team, put it in an account, and you pay for the kid's college by the time you were done with it. You right, know? and you and, just uh, walk on. And and he can do whatever he wants, you know, as far as that goes. So um, just, uh, you know, there's different, again, different levels. I think the biggest thing is does the does the coach care? Um, you know, you have to be careful. Part of the reason I got out of college basketball is I did see the seedy side to these AAU guys that are about money and different things. And really want to be a part of that, you know? Right. Uh, so, um, so, you know, that's that you gotta, you gotta watch out. And I think you just have to talk to them and see what kind of person they are, you know? Uh, 
So that that's that's an important thing. I mean, you could ask all the questions in the world. I think a lot of these guys are schooled in, uh, you know, what to say and have the right answers. And, you know, you as a parent have to get an idea of, uh, you know, what kind of human being they are, you know, and uh, are they just giving you the right answers or are they, you know, really sincere about it and passionate about it? And, you know, I think, uh, of course, you know, you also have to watch out for the CD people in the world and, you know, uh, did other coaches background check? You know, things are different type of things like that, that, you know, uh, unfortunately needs to be looked at in the world. Right. Today. You know, what's a big problem, too, is uh, parents that are coaching teams. You know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. You know, we see it at the right. college level. Jim Bayheim is now coaching both of his kids this year. But that's an exception. Different thing. level. Well, that's yeah, different. Exception. He's there. He's going to win. He's not going to play his son just because it's right, his son. One son's. Right, and he's a pretty good ball player too. <laughs> I think both of them are actually right. Yeah, I mean, and one son really, uh, you know, lit it up this year. But uh, yeah, that's a different level. It's it's when you're younger. It's the you know, the coach that wants to make his kid the superstar no matter what, and you got to watch out for that. That's a you know, I mean, I know, you know, I, I keep going back to this lacrosse stuff, but I know like the year above my son. They had an issue with the coach and his kid had to be, you know, the center of everything. And he was just okay, you know, and um, it's funny. I mean, that's why when sometimes I don't even have the time, you know, I'll I'll coach the basketball and the football, you know. And and as you know me, if my son wasn't good enough, I I wouldn't he wouldn't be playing certain positions. Uh, Right. I'm I'm lucky because. Right now, at least, he's head and shoulders above other kids in, in the positions he plays. So I don't have to justify, oh, your kid's playing quarterback. You know, uh, you know, my justification would be if my kid isn't good enough that someone else is going to be playing quarterback. I go right now. He just happens to be, you know, as I always say, he makes my life my life easy as a coach. Right. But you know what though? He, There's also that thing where uh, you can hurt a kid too by putting him on a him or her on a team that has a parent who coaches the team and little Johnny or Jeannie or whatever is playing shortstop and can't catch a cold, for example, or point guard and can't dribble the basketball, you know, things like that. That's That's a bad situation. Right, and that's what I meant by that. You know, uh, I I was lucky, you know. I wouldn't wouldn't play him at these spots either if he wasn't and, uh, and you know me well enough like that, you know, it's about all the kid. You know, I don't coach because it's my kid. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that coach because, oh, they're giving their kid the advantage. You know, I do nothing with lacrosse. I don't know lacrosse. I don't do anything, you know, and he happens to be, you know, uh, as you know right now, Tyler's a pretty good athlete for his age, so he happens right. to be above a lot of these kids. And, you know, it's just uh, – um, you know, part of it is he's focused and he's serious about it more than a lot of the other kids at this age. Uh, part of it is a genetic, uh, you know, predisposition as people don't realize. Listen, you know, uh, Phil, I married well. You know, my wife was a hell of right. an athlete. So, uh, right, exactly. You know, you know, and it was there is a little bit of pedigree on the feedless side as well. And uh, mm-hmm. but like I said, you know, he's a different kid that he'll work at it. You know, he's gone to. 
his Uncle Jay's clinics all winter long, all spring long, you know, uh, where other kids are not doing, you know, those type of things where they're right. They're getting better. They're getting better every day. And, you know, and then it's also do you go out and practice? We, we talk about this almost every week. Do you go out and practice on your own? You know, and, you know, the bottom line on all of this, Phil, is until they get older, I think it has to be fun for them, the AAU stuff. Or any club thing. Because, I would think so, yes. Because if it's, not, if it's not fun for them, then they're going to get turned off to that particular sport. And and then, you know, I, I mean, like I always go, listen, the people that are the best at it, they love it. They have a passion for it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you've seen better natural athletes that just don't have a passion for the sport that, yes, they might have made the NBA, but then they were a bust as they got to the NBA because – now they're not putting, you know, hey, I've made my money. I, I, what do I need to put the time in? Right, exactly. Look at, you know, guys like Kobe Bryant and, and Michael Jordan and, and the greatest of all time. And, you know, they would okay, you know, not just when a coach called practice. You know, in the summertime, they probably worked harder than during the season. You know, uh, Michael Jordan made himself a, a great shooter. He wasn't when he first came in the league. You know, and he knew what his weakness was, and he made himself a great shooter. Right. He did. That's right. You know one thing about youth sports, though, that I despise? I, I don't mind pa- coaches working the refs in, like in junior high and high school, but you see like these eight- and nine-year-olds trying to work the refs and these coaches trying to work the refs, and, and that's probably not a good thing to see when you're eight years old, right? Well, my opinion of that has always been um, coaches that do that don't know how to coach. Probably so. Yeah, yeah. you're too busy. You know, Shouldn't you be? Wouldn't you be busy? Aren't you too busy to like coach your kids? And right. now you're going to coach referees too. Right. So I mean, listen. There are times where things happen, and you know you need to talk to a referee or whatever. I mean, listen. I, I've always said it. I coached for. I've been coaching for thirty some odd years. I don't remember more than a handful of games where I actually yelled at a referee or had to worry about a referee because my feeling is, is I need to be coaching my kids. Now, uh, you know, for instance, we had a situation and I tell my kids, you you know, I'm the only one that talks to the refs. That's not your business, you know? And so what? There was a bad call at the end of the game. Well, there was seven other plays that we could have made that the bad call wouldn't have affected the game. You know, right, and I hate, exactly. I, I hate even the pros, you know, they, they went the NFL because uh, the guy missed a pass interference call in the playoffs the one year with the Saints. And all of a sudden they're going to change the rules because of that. Well, guess what? Referees are human, too. So they're going to make a mistake here and there the same way uh, the players and the coaches make mistakes. And are you have you prepared your team enough? To one, either overcome a refing situation, or two, to just be good enough that the ref doesn't even play a part in the game, which That's is right. what they're not. You know, in essence, they're not supposed to play a part in the game. They're supposed to make sure that the game is fair. That's you know what refereeing really is about. And I mean, you know, I had told you last year we had a. There was a situation in our football in the championship game. The ref didn't know the rule. Um, I 
sort of, you know, told him what the rule was. I probably should have stopped the game and talked to the powers that be and straightened it out. But, you know, I told our kids, hey, listen, this is called adversity. You need to uh, fight through this and, and we'll adjust. Stop. You know, we do. For based on, you know, we had played eight games with one rule and the ref's trying to change the rule at the end. But, you know, I wasn't focused on the ref at that point, you know, right. and, 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 you know, maybe I should have been a little more because it was a total rule change. But uh, I was focused on, all right, how are we going to adjust to this? How's my team going to react to it? And, uh, you know, the same idea when we used to coach basketball, you know, I mean. Again, it's a different story at the higher levels. Listen, it, it's uh, it's a dollars and cents. It's a it's a your jobs on the line type of thing. So I I understand when a guy is stressed out, he needs a big win, and he feels a ref took it from him. You know, so there there are you know those type of things. And listen, referees are, are arrogant too. Some of them, and they're wrong at times. Right. That's but that's yes, a good I, point. Right, but I agree with you in youth sports. You know, it it. Shouldn't be an issue. I mean, I mean, I'll go back to one other time with, with myself as an example. Again, you know, I'm coaching uh, my daughter's team in basketball. And uh, they had been, you know, they were, this was two years ago. So they were young. They were doing shooting on the foul line. And, you know, this ref's putting them in the regular spots with the girls shooting, you know, halfway through. And I, I said, well, what are we teaching these kids? You know, you got two kids behind the shooter. So. I'm teaching my kids to box out the shooter on a foul shot, and you're putting these kids behind the shooter. So, what 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 teach what teaching process is going on here? You know, these are the, these are the rules we put in so we can teach them. Now, I understand moving the line up so they can shoot, but what we had done in the other games was moved the you know the the other players up so you could still teach what's going to happen when it becomes a regular foul shot. And I had, a, you know, the arrogant ref to, oh, this is what we I've done and this is how I do it. I've been doing it. And I said, OK, that's great. But again, what am I supposed to tell my kid? How, how's she going to box out the shooter when she's standing behind her? But <laughs> that's your problem. You know, that's your problem. Well, right, right, is, right. It isn't my problem. My problem is I'm trying to teach a kid how to play a game. And you're putting a rule in that doesn't allow, you know, these kids to be taught, is so, right. so, so to speak. So. You know, those are the issues I would have with officials, not, uh, you know, you missed the call. I mean, listen, and I, I did it in college and I did. Hey, uh, you know, Phil, shoot, you missed one. You owe me one. Right. You know, that's how I would that's how I would give it to him as opposed to, uh, you know, yelling and screaming. And, you know, listen, it did, it did go on back in the day. There were refs that were homers and, you know. Things like that. I mean, it doesn't really go on now because refs are not from the same neighborhood. They do travel all over the place now. Right. Um, you know, at the at the highest levels, obviously. And uh, but listen, even if you're we're at a place where you're getting uh, you know homed, so to speak, uh, what good is talking to the ref? He's going to make those calls regardless of what you say to him, and so, probably make it worse too when you right, start hooting could make, him. Could make it worse, exactly. So. Plus, you know. a lot of youth sports, so at least when I was playing youth sports, were like high school kids mm -hmm. and whatever. I mean, I used to ref these games. I was refing an eighth, I think a third grade game, eight-year-olds. And his coaches give me a hard time, man. I play for the high. I'm thinking, go F you, man. You know, let these kids play a little bit.
I hate referees that blow whistles like 40 times a game in an eight-year-old game. It just right. makes no sense. But you know, in tennis, though, tennis is a lot different because until you get to a certain level, like top college, own, don't you? national, yeah, you're calling your own. Even in some minor league pro tournaments, satellite tournaments, you have to in the first rounds. And that's tough because, you know, not everyone sees the ball the same way, you know. So you have to be or, it's or, a dicey or, situation. Or, yeah, or or plays the fair way, you know. They're more interested in winning, you know. So that's well. What, listen, I mean, you listen, you you know, and and I, and we both grew up going to the park and playing basketball, and it was always call your own. Yeah, and you know, exactly. there were there were some parks you'd go to, and uh, you know, nobody called anything. You know, you beat the hell out of each other, and you got better because you played in those games. Right. And then you go to another park where, you know, uh, the future lawyers of the world were calling everything and arguing about every call. So, so you know, and where would you rather play? Me, personally, I don't think I ever made a call, a foul call. You know, I played at parks where the guy fouls you, he'd call it for you. And he knew he right. fouled you. Right, exactly. You know? yeah, 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 I get that. Well, yeah, I, I was involved in that. And most of the time, you were. people got mad because you call fouls. Don't call fouls, man. Right. That's cheap. Well, would, or or the guy or the guy who says over and back on the playground. Right. I'm like, what? Right. <laughs> we we laughed the guy out of the park because he called a charge one time, you know. Oh right. So. Yeah, that's <laughs> another one I can't stand when I play basketball is calling charges. What? Stop. Yeah. Stop. In a, real game, in a real game they're important in the park. I don't think, you know. My God, you're gonna take a charge and on the hard concrete. I I don't know. Yeah. I think you also should ask these coaches how they practice and how often they practice and what you require from them at practice. Are they just scrimmaging? Are they trying to develop skills like in right. high school? And what's, the, and what's your commitment? You know, what's the commitment level? You know, are you doing right. three nights a week? You expect them to be there three nights a week, uh, you know, uh, those type of things. And like I said, as they get older, there should be a very big level of commitment. Even when they're younger, they should be. But, uh, uh, you know, at the same time, I think good coaches understand, listen, these kids are playing multiple sports now. So That's there right. are going to be some times where they can't make your practice because they have a game in another sport, you know. And, and you want to make sure that coach understands that, too, at the young age. Listen, like I said, as you get older, the 16, 17, listen, you're making a commitment. You, you know, you need to be there. So it's – but – I think kids should play multiple sports. To me, that's more important than, you know, I think any of these kids that specialize at a young age, and I I know you're in the tennis world and it's a little different there, but mm -hmm. I think kids get kids get injured when they specialize in one sport for their whole life. Maybe they do, yeah. I think in tennis, though, pretty much by the time you're 13 or 14, you have to make a commitment. You but know, that's again, that's it. That's an age I get. I'm talking eight, nine, ten now. No, 11. they do that. They do that though at the tennis academies, and that's why these kids right. come out messed up. That's what I'm saying to you. That to me, that's where they mess these kids up in those situations. But these practices matter too, because that's where the teaching is supposed to be done. And if all they're doing is scrimmaging, and all the coaches doing is sitting there not saying anything or talking on the phone, that's another thing I can't stand. Is coaches yep. talking on the phone while they're on the court, but uh, that's the kind of situation you might want to avoid. I think I don't care what level it is, you want your coach teaching. These kids are still learning the game. They're still learning the game at the NBA level. How much right, more no important matter. is it for a coach to teach at the junior level? I would think that would be the most where you 
develop the best habits or the worst. Correct. 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 And that's all in practice, I think. A lot of practice, a lot of, you know, and then it's, uh, again, a lot of on your own time. You know, did they teach you the right things to work on? Uh, You know, and that's, you know, that goes back to our, as we call them, the guru things where, uh, you know, you have a, a guy that claims to be this wonderful coach and they are giving you uh, bad information or bad, ha- you know, creating bad habits for you because they really don't know what they're that's doing. That's true. You won't find you that know? at Brookwood, so that's a good thing. That's for sure. You won't. Now, one of the biggest aspects of the AU programs is the cost. Some of these teams, it costs a lot of money to play on. So I guess the first thing you want to ask is how much are the team fees? What do they cover? Um, are the tra- You know, they travel so much. Do you have to keep forking out cash so your kid can sit on the bench and travel? Mm-hmm. And financial aid, do they have it? I would think that those are all very important questions because some of these programs, you have to tap out like 16, 20 grand each. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, no, like I told you, I think some of it's crazy. And then, again, like you said, you get that, uh, you know, tournaments and things are extra. You know, and the parent has to travel and get a hotel and, you know, uh, pay for gas and all that. So now you paid, you know, four or five thousand to the program. You know, the question I think more is <clears throat> that you should ask is what do my fees cover? You know, what 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 do you what am I getting from that? Right. Where's you know, my, what uh, bang do I get for I, my buck? You know, right. Am I getting, uh, you know, 10 practices? Am I getting extra clinics? Am I getting other tournament fees paid for, uh, you know, or other do you pay for hotels for kids? Do you do, you know, and I think that's, you know, that's how you want to lay it out to them is really what's covered in the fees you're charging. You know, uh, do I get a uniform? You know, do I get equipment? Do, do we get, you know, different things? So, and, and you want them to be clear about it. And some of them, you almost want them to put that stuff in writing because they'll change their tune year after year, you know? And that's important. They will do that. So you got to keep an eye. The best thing I, I wrote this in my tennis, in the tennis book I wrote, is the best thing that you can do. Truly, the best thing that you can do is ask around, because parents Correct. will tell you. Now, obviously, not everyone has the same situation or the same experience, but if you get a whole bunch of red flags, or this guy did this, this guy did that, this guy did that, you know, you may want to vote with your feet and not even bother them. The other thing that I suggest for parents would be to ask if they can come to a practice and watch the practice and see what goes on there because that's the most important thing is the development of your child. Most kids that play basketball, tennis, whatever, never make a nickel play in a sport. But are they going to get something positive from this experience? I think that's the most important thing. What are the positives that they can take away from this experience to help them out further in life and I, I think that some coaches get it and others don't and you just have to ask these questions and don't be afraid to ask them repeatedly by the way I agree with you I mean I think the key to playing sports for most people is the lessons you learn from them and the things about you know being on time uh, working hard being a good teammate uh, you know working as a group you know, there's so many, uh, 
you know, I used to say it with football when the, the concussion thing was such a big news story. And I would say, right. my, you know, they would ask, well, you're going to let your kid play? And I said, absolutely, because I think the positives that are taught in that sport far outweigh the negative risks. And, uh, you know, it's funny, you know, I think we talked about it. I don't know, remember it was on air or off air. You know, we talked about uh, different things that college coaches look for in kids. And uh, parents, are, you know, think that, oh, it's did he score 20 points in basketball or have five goals in a lacrosse game or, or, or uh, you know, this and that. Well, you know, it's not that. You know, they're looking at, does he work hard? How's his attitude? What's his body language? You know, if you don't think body language is huge when people are coaching, you're crazy. Well, that's, you know, that, that's a huge thing for any kid is your body language. You know, are you root, you got you got four fouls. Are you moping on the end of the bench or you're rooting your teammates on? You know, there's different uh, things, you know, you, you got yelled at by a coach. It does happen. You know, do you droop your shoulders and say, forget it? Or do you, hey, listen, he's right. Let's go. I'm ready to move on to the next, you know, right play. So there's a lot of. Those things, you know, I think parents get fooled by, you know, oh, my kid has to be the scorer or he has to be this or he has to be that. You know, uh, my kid who's a quarterback in, in football is the, is, is plays defense in lacrosse. Now, I don't care. That's what he likes doing. That's where he's successful. That's, you know, it doesn't matter that he scores goals or whatever. You know, people notice what he does on the field. You right, know? they do. And, yeah, that's right. But that all comes back to being in a positive programs too. That that makes a difference. Correct. But I'm saying you know, he can adjust it. Right. That. But there's a lot of parents also that think they're going to uh, dictate where they're playing to coaches, and then they'll start their own AAU program because they didn't get what they wanted from the other one, and and that's a, a an epidemic in, in in youth sports now as well. You know, they they had a bad situation that sometimes was their own fault. Or, hey, they wanted their kid to be the superstar, and he wasn't. So I'm going to start a team where I'm going to make him the superstar. Right. You know, tennis works that way, too. You know, it's really funny that you can raise a kid up, work with them. In most cases, give them financial breaks because it's an expensive sport, and you see some talent in the kid. And then they decide once that's enough and they can't get anything more from you, they ditch the coach, and he and the father or mother coaches them. That's what they decide. They're the coach now. And it doesn't seem to work out very often. But again, the most important thing that you have to develop your child is your eyes and your ears and your tongue. Ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. B, don't be afraid to uh, spend a little extra time in figuring out what is the best situation for your kid. Don't leave it up to your kid. Right, or or ask a friend of yours who knows a little bit more. You know, if I if my kid was playing tennis, I would ask Phil what he thought of the program or the coach. I'd say, hey, could you do me a favor, Phil? I want you to come down. My kid's practicing with this coach. And could you watch for me? Because quite honestly, I don't know. You know, I don't know enough to know if it was right or wrong. Right. You know, and I think there's a lot of parents in that boat, too, where these guys fool them into, you know, it sounds like they're working the right things and it sounds good, but it's not. And, you know. It was. It's twofold. I always go. Knowledge is a bad thing sometimes because you know what guys aren't teaching them, and then not having knowledge is a bad thing too because you don't know what's going on. 
You know, I, I've done it in lacrosse. I've asked, you know, thank God my wife played, so it made it easier. But I've asked other guys, hey, you know, uh, you know better than me. I don't know this sport. What's, uh, is this guy okay? You know, or is, uh, or, or are they teaching them the right things, you know, uh, at the same time? And, and it's the same, you know, with, uh, I'm sure if Phil had a child and they were playing basketball, he would ask me to come check it out. I would, yep. If I were in New York, I sure would. Or film it and let you see it. You know, that's another thing. We have cameras with phones. If you're, if the coach isn't going to let you at least attend practice, that's probably not the place you want to be. I don't mind, and I'm talking in junior levels. I have no problem whatsoever with parents coming to their kids' practice. Yep. I have no problem with that at all. A lot of times they have to drive a long way. So where's the mom or dad going to go? Right, and that means you, you're confident in what you're teaching and you're good. Plus, I, I, ain't, I ain't trying to hide nothing. Right, and we've done that, you know, for years with our football clinics and things is, you know, hey, you're, you're driving them? Sit and watch us. You know, the greatest recommendation we have is uh, you telling other your friends because you saw how good we were at it, you know. Or, so. or, or maybe you weren't the greatest coach, but the kids learned a lot. You know, that's another thing. People are so busy chasing gurus. That's crazy. You know, I know gym teachers who never played a lick of tennis who are damn good at the basics. And a lot of them don't get to teach lessons outside because, well, they're not one of the chosen few, you know. And, and I think that that's wrong, too. I mean, we had a gym teacher up at Brookwood for 100 freaking years, Elliot Cohen. Remember? Yeah. Elliot you know. was terrific. Physical education. They'd be all mad at you now. You know, I'm sorry. Physical education. <laughs> right. But but he wasn't certified in any. No, uh, as but a he teacher. was an excellent. Listen, he was he was a teacher, though. You know, yeah, that's, that's what, important. You know, and that's the I mean, I think a big part of any coach is are they a teacher? You know, are they more concerned about wins and losses or are they more concerned about development? You know, I think the best coaches are, are concerned about playing the game properly and doing the right thing and wins will come because you do the right thing. Not, you know, cutting corners to get a win at the cost of their development later on. And if you follow what I'm saying with that. Yeah, of course. So I guess it will, to wrap all this up, pay attention, listen to what others say about these coaches or programs. And, which and, you also, yeah. And, and, and go with your gut sometimes. Well, there you, you go. Know, That's you a have, big point. If, you know, if you have a, if you talk to a coach and you're not comfortable for whatever reason, no matter what anyone else says, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I would go with my gut. You know, that isn't right for my kid. I don't know why. There's some reason. I feel it. And there's a million programs out there. So, you know, you need to, you need to go with your gut sometimes. I mean, I, and I'll give you a, another one. It had nothing to do with the team. I didn't even go look at it. One of my son's friends decided to play some AAU basketball. I think it's a very good program, actually. Decided mm -hmm. to play AAU basketball this spring. Um, you know, if I was one of these guys that was worried about my kid um, getting behind or missing out, I would have signed him up. My feeling was is he was doing enough in the spring, and uh, I'll wait till the next fall or, or winter season to get him involved in basketball. So... You know, that was my gut feeling that it would be too much. And I think, you know, looking at it from the outside again, back in, I think I made the right decision, you know, and, and 
and and once you make a decision, you got to go with it and say, hey, I, you know, I did. Well, guess what? Once in a blue moon, you're going to make a wrong decision. It does happen, you know. And the and to counter that, the other thing that you don't want to do is team hop. You don't want to keep hopping from team to team like these college kids do in the transfer uh, portal. Uh, you uh. know what? You pick a program. If it doesn't work, go find another one. If it doesn't, that doesn't work, maybe it's you. You know, maybe it's you. And, and that's an important thing to remember. So pay attention. That's the most important thing. Not everyone has your children's best interests at heart. And, and you know that already. So use that spidey sense that you have as parents to find the best situation for your kid. It might be the worst team in the league, but your son or daughter is going to be the best player on that team. And that will take them somewhere else. I've always believed in the big fish, small pond syndrome. I like the big fish, small pond thing. Because this way, you can rule the day and more people will pay attention to you. I think that's the most and important a, thing. And, and, some, and sometimes there's nothing wrong with being the role player on a good team because people notice that too. That's and true I mean, too. You know, and, and, you know, the, the, let's just like, a, a, you know, it worked out for him. He's a little crazy, but like a Dennis Rodman back in the day in Detroit. You know, right. uh, Chuck Daly told him, go out and just rebound. You'll get, get me 20 rebounds a game. I don't care if you score a point. And, you know, he did that and the Pistons won championships because he did that and he really improved the team in that regard. As well as the Bulls when he went and joined the Bulls. He always right. improved your All team. Of them. Right. He improved your team, but he was, you know, he wasn't the superstar. Uh, I mean, he became one because of all his craziness, I guess. But, uh, you know, he he had a role. He filled that role. And. You know, it took him a long way, and he made a lot of money because uh, of that role, you know. Exactly. I'll tell you what, great stuff today. Fun job talking about youth sports. It's always great. You know what the best part of it is, is that you don't have to worry about any of those things at Brookwood Camps. Our tennis instructor, I'm sorry, our instructors. That's right, our tennis instructor, the great is, one. Is the is the is is probably the weakest link on the staff, <laughs> and, and that's okay. He's retiring at the end of the summer. Who knows where oh, he'll be he next? Just, he just he just re-signed a three-year deal. Come on. That's what they keep saying, but I haven't seen it yet. So until I do, we'll be <laughs> retiring on July 29th. Great stuff, Feeds. You too, Phil. Looking forward to Friday. Yes. Don't forget, Friday, we're going to be doing our Kentucky Derby preview. We'll also be previewing several other races, giving out winners, because that's what we do. For Scott Fiedler, I'm Phil Nasons. Thanks for listening to The Canteen. You've been listening to The Canteen with Phil Nasons and Scott Fiedler. Find us on social media at Cash with Flash and at your podcast catcher of choice.